Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. Today, we're going to start a series called Multiplication by Subtraction, How to Gracefully Let Go of Wrong Fit Team Members. Now, this is a topic that I am very passionate about. I think it's incredibly important to talk about it in relation to having really great teams, but it's an area where people have a lot of sensitivity, they have a lot of difficulty, and also the idea of letting go of people is something that a lot of people procrastinate about. So I'm really excited in this series to talk through some of the issues, and really I was able to package all of my thinking about this into my latest book, which is Multiplication by Subtraction. So by all means, please check it out if you wanna get the whole story (laughs) before the rest of the podcast come out. But it's one of those things where I had talked to so many team members, I've talked to so many team leaders, I've talked to so many entrepreneurs about what some of the challenges were as they were building their companies and growing their teams. And it came up so often that they had someone on board that was no longer a right fit, but they didn't know what to do about it. No one had told them. They had kind of guessed, but didn't really know for sure. (laughs) So there are all of these concerns and all of these things that they, frankly, if they could just possibly avoid the whole situation, they would, and they did. And sometimes you can get away with it for a long time, but sometimes it blows up in your face and makes a big mess. So given that I am so passionate about successful, growing, productive, profitable entrepreneurial teams, this was an an issue that I really wanted to talk about. And I have to say, I was incredibly inspired by a book called Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. And you may have heard my author interview with him on the podcast series as well. I have such respect for his ideas because he really talked about how to think about endings in a new, to me at least, and really positive way. So I consider this book an entrepreneurial team version of Necessary Endings. So please go back and read the source code on that one too. But I want to get into a very specific aspect of multiplication by subtraction. So I want to define what I mean by multiplication by subtraction and then also talk about the 12 reasons why we do not take action. So 12 reasons why we don't subtract in order to multiply. As you're listening, I want you to think about, okay, which ones apply to me? Which ones have I experienced? Which ones am I watching right now? Other people go through. I know this is something that I think relates to all of us, mostly at work, but I think there's also some personal situations that these might apply to as well. But before we get into the reasons why, let's really define what multiplication by subtraction means. So really, it's the positive impact of saying goodbye to a wrong fit team member who is no longer thriving in your organization. So remember, it's the positive impact of saying goodbye to a wrong fit team member. And this is something that most people, when you think about it, kind of gives you a little not good feeling in the pit of your stomach. (laughs) Because you know it's a concern. It's probably something, again, that you've been avoiding. So let's talk about why we avoid it. Because I actually want to kind of reassure you that there are some very good reasons why you've been putting this off. Not that it necessarily justifies not taking action now that you know, but I have a lot of compassion for why we don't take action in this really challenging situation. So reason number one is that we dread confrontation. We avoid making a decision because we're afraid of dealing with people's reactions. In business, we have lots of tasks that need to get done. We have lots of results that have to get produced. But with the exception of technology, it's people who do them. And when you know people and you know their history and you know their story and you know them as human beings, it can be a tough decision to kind of call people to account, especially if it's a long-term relationship or sometimes they're a family member. We can have a list of reasons why we hesitate to address the situation. So that's number one. Number two is tears. We really, really don't like tears. (laughs) Put your hand up if that's true. (laughs) And although they're rare, sometimes they are, in fact, unavoidable. 
So that may be a reason why you put off this conversation. Another one, and I hear this almost the most often, is that we think it's our fault. We think we should have done more to help that person be successful. And I know for myself in conversation, it's been, oh, I wonder if I've given them enough training. Was I clear enough in my explanation? Did I do too many drive-by delegations, which is something that we call too fast delegations at Strategic Coach? I just second-guess myself a lot. And I'm thinking, did I talk too fast? Because I move pretty quickly. Maybe they can't keep up. Maybe I've done something that's prevented their success. Maybe they didn't have the right training. Maybe someone else didn't have the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I have to say here, I really want you to trust the fact that you most likely have in fact done enough, unless you've completely ignored the person. And this is normally when you hire someone, unless you've totally ignored them and the rest of your team has ignored them. They've been trained. They've been talked to. I'm sure you're articulate. You've been able to describe what you want. So most of the time, in fact, it's not you. So just want to give you that little bit of reassurance. The next one is really challenging, loyalty. This person's been with you for a long time or really stuck with you during tough times. So you feel enormous loyalty to them because of their loyalty to you. They're a really good person and you don't want them to get hurt. And we often feel responsible for them. Now, I really like a distinction that Marilyn Waller makes, and that is the difference between being responsible to and responsible for. We are responsible to our teams and to our team members to provide the right working materials, clear direction, everything that they need in order to be successful. However, we are not responsible for whether or not they choose to actually employ those things, how they actually do it, whether or not they get it done, that's not within our responsibility. That's where they're responsible for themselves. So it's really important to know where that responsibility line is. The other thing is, next one, is that we don't see the issue clearly. Often when someone isn't a right fit for our company, they're good at hiding out. They're good at looking capable to you while having a negative impact on the rest of the team. And I had someone who fit the bill. This was my obstacle, (laughs) by the way, because to me, she showed up, and this is someone who worked directly with me, supporting me. She was very attentive, and she had a lot of respect for me and a lot of respect for my position, and she was like all over it. So whenever I had any conversations with her, she was alert. She was paying attention. Now, what the team members came to tell me eventually was that she would go in their offices and sit and chat and distract them from their work. She clearly would not be getting her work done. She was a total productivity killer to the rest of the team. But to me, she looked totally fine. So that was a big lesson. And it turned out later that what was really important to this person was actually status. What was important to her is that she worked for someone that she thought had a lot of status in the organization. As far as I'm concerned, I'm as good as the last thing I delivered. (laughs) It's not really about how long I've been around or what my title is. It's really about what am I doing to create value. But that wasn't it for her. So that was a big issue. And you'll see that in subsequent podcasts, we'll talk about symptoms and clues. And that's definitely one of them. Another example of someone in our company who kind of managed to hide in the shadows for a while is someone who worked on our production team. And it was really interesting because, again, to her supervisor, to her team leader, she was showing up. But often when work needed to get done or when people were looking for her, she would kind of not be around or be in another conversation or she just didn't show up a lot. And Dan Sullivan described it this way one day. It's like, imagine if there's a parking lot and it's at night and there are lights This is the person that would always find the shadow (laughs) and walk around it. So it took us a little while to notice that there was actually really nothing happening. So that's occasionally something that happens. But if we don't see the issue clearly, unless someone else points it out to us, then we're going to be in the dark about that. 
Next one is we're afraid of legal ramifications. And this is really just simply due to a lack of knowledge or not having expert advice that you've checked out yet. So we worry that if we don't execute the process properly, we could be sued. Now, I think it's incredibly wise to be worried about legal ramifications. However, this can actually be very quickly and easily alleviated by talking to a really good employment lawyer. So once you go get the information, you make a couple of phone calls, they'll tell you what the law requires. They'll tell you what your rights are. They'll tell you what the other person's rights are. And then you can make the right decision. And in a future podcast, I'm going to go through the steps, which include seeking expert counsel, in terms of if you do need to let someone go, a couple of the ways you might want to think about it. Again, always taking into account what you are legally responsible to do. I'm going to suggest that you actually do one better, but we'll get to that later. Now, another one, I've heard this a lot when I'm coaching entrepreneurs and team leaders, is that we think we need a warm body. We don't think we have the time to look for a new person to fill the role. So we live with an imperfect situation just to have someone there. If someone fogs the mirror, they qualify for the position. (laughs) And we've probably been the warm body in a few roles in our lives at different times. And this one's tricky. If you're super crunched, it's really a timing issue at that point. At some point, though, this person is going to cause enough friction, enough drag, or simply a lack of growth that you will need to take action. So look at this as a very short-term temporary solution. If it goes on for months, may I say years, that means that there's another reason why you're not taking action. You probably need to take a look at that. Next one, we fear that the work will come back to us. We worry that in letting someone go, we'll be stuck with an even bigger workload. And this came directly from a conversation with a team leader. This often happens when you hire someone more senior into a position and you're like, oh, great. Now they can take care of client service. Now they can be accountable for operations. Maybe now they can be accountable for the financial accuracy of our statements. And you're like, oh, great. I don't have to do that anymore. Especially if it's not something you'd love to do or it's not your unique ability, something you're not passionate about. The thought of bringing it back onto your plate is abhorrent. I'm just dreading that particular activity again. So that's a very valid reason why. (laughs) Mind you, if that person is causing harm, especially to your clients or to your financials, then you definitely need to take action. And you are, in fact, the better person. So that's kind of the solution to that one. Another one is that we think team morale might take a hit. And this is actually something that we've talked about a lot in our own company. Will the rest of the team be worried that they're next? And sometimes that, in fact, is true. They are worried that they're next. And the other thing that they're worried about is that whether or not that person will be well taken care of. The last thing they want, even if they recognize that team member may not be functioning as high a level as they need to, or that there's some other issue going on, were they treated compassionately? Were they treated as a human being as opposed to a number? And that's really your internal reputation. (laughs) This is really important that you look after this. We actually had a situation years ago now where we had a husband and wife team working in the office and we needed to let one of them go. That's fun. That's something we just really looked forward to. So we were very careful and conscientious and strategic about it. So as some team leaders were having the conversation with the person we need to let go, we sat down the spouse and said, just to let you know, this is what's happening right now. Unfortunately, it's come to this. And we understand if you feel the need to follow suit with your spouse. However, we want to tell you how much we appreciate you, what a great job we think that you're doing. We look at you as two very separate individuals. Unfortunately, they were on separate teams. So we just really want you to know that going in. I'm sure there's going to be some hard feelings, but at the same time, we just really value you and we really don't want you to go. It was the bottom line information and that person stayed. So that to me was well handled. I'm sure there were some probably hard conversations at home, but it was one of those situations where we just really 
needed to make sure that the other people that were strongly impacted knew that they weren't next. I've also heard about this on a larger scale, especially if there's an economic downturn or it's really termed as layoffs. And this kind of sends a ripple of fear <laughs> through the organization. People want to know, okay, is this a one-off? Is this the first layer that's going to happen? So you need to be really, really clear in your communication. And I'm going to suggest really direct and upfront. If you do have to let a certain number of people go for whatever reason, this is usually in large corporations, then let people know. I always appreciate honesty. I can deal with that. It's when people are faking it that drives me crazy and impacts my trust level. And without trust, it's really hard to function as a business. So you, wherever possible, when it's true, reassure people that their positions are fine. This is not a widespread thing. It's a few individuals. And then move on. Next one is that we can't pinpoint the problem. This is when you have a vague sense that something is wrong, but you're not sure exactly what it is, don't have hard evidence, and so you don't take action. And this is when things trigger your spidey senses, and you're like, hmm, it doesn't feel like everything's right, but if you're super busy, you're focused on clients, you're focused on your own projects, you may not have time to pay attention to it. This is where you want to really check in with your go-to people. You say, hmm, I'm getting the sense that there's some unrest on the team. Is there something I should know? Encourage people to speak up and then listen. <laughs> Don't argue with them when they give you information that you need. So you kind of have to go and find the information, especially if you realize, oh, I haven't talked to this person for a while. I haven't seen them for a while. Maybe things are fine, but maybe they're not. So this is where you really need to go and get the information so you can take action with confidence. You don't want to take uneducated actions because that can lead to negative circumstances and negative results. So again, go get the information from your trusted go-to people, and then you'll find out what you need to know. But do not ignore your instincts. That's really important. A couple more. One is that hiring is hard. Even if someone is hard to work with, we feel it would be harder to find someone else. This is a case where it's better to deal with the devil you know than the devil you don't. <laughs> that may be true for a little while, but you really have to look at the cost of not taking action. Again, we'll get into more of that in a later podcast. But the cost of hanging on to this person, I guarantee you, will be far greater than any challenge you will go through hiring a better person. I really like Dan Sullivan's attitude pretty much when anything goes wrong. He says, well, I don't want to just fix it and get it back to where it was last time. It's got to be exponentially better. So who is the very, very best person you can find? Who would be even better than you have now? What's an upgrade? And make it a situation that you get excited about rather than just, eh, have to replace somebody. There's no excitement or energy in that. So when you think about, okay, who would be even better? Who's my dream person in that role? That can give you some energy with which to go and be willing to hire somebody new. So the last one is the person still gets great results. Ooh, this is a challenge, especially if they are in sales, in business development, they're bringing in cash flow and revenue it can be really, really tough. So despite their bad behavior, they're productive and bringing in revenue. That's a challenging situation. And I actually quantify it in the book because it's hard to let go of cash. It's hard to let go of revenue. But again, sometimes you need to look at the cost. Can you counsel them out of their bad behavior? Is that person manageable? Are they in fact coachable? Or are they so wedded or married to their bad behavior that then it infects the rest of the team and then that bad behavior is really okay for anyone to do? One of the ways to kind of think through this one is, what if everyone did it this way? Or five years from now, am I going to be really happy that I let this happen? Clearly, the answer will tell you <laughs> what you need to do next. So these are really the 12 reasons why we don't take action. You may be able to, in fact, add to the list. And I'm going to suspect that most of your objections or most of the issues you've dealt with fall into or under one of these 12. 
So I hope this list has been enjoyable for you to listen to. Yes, you may have cringed a little bit if they hit too close to home. But I think it's really important to both appreciate that often there are some very good reasons why we put off making these tough decisions. Maybe we don't have enough information. Maybe there's information we need to go and get, for instance, legal counsel. So I think, you know, if we really appreciate that there are some valid, legitimate reasons that once you know what they are, once you know why you haven't taken action, then you can figure out what to do. So later in the series, we'll get into what to do, how to identify it, the causes and the symptoms, common scenarios, all that kind of good stuff. But in the meantime, I hope you really have resonated with this list of why we don't take action. So thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please let us know at questions at strategiccoach.com. And as always, here's to your team success. Hi, Shannon here, and thank you very much for listening. If you like what you heard today, please take a moment to rate the Team Success Podcast on iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd share the podcast with anyone else who could benefit. If you're interested in learning more about the Strategic Coach Program for Entrepreneurs, visit us at strategiccoach.com or the Strategic Coach channel on YouTube. For free downloads and more Team Success strategies, visit teamsuccesshandbook.com.